What's up, fanboys and fangirls? Welcome to another Review Point podcast coming to you from fanboysanonymous.com. I'm your host, as always, Tony Mango, and today I am talking about the 2019 DC film Joker. If you are not familiar with how the Review Point works, it's pretty simple. It's basically just a movie review. But essentially what I'm going to be doing here is talking about the things that I liked and I disliked about the film, and they are hereby referred to as the hits and the misses of the movie. And I encourage you to do the same thing in the comments section below. So if you are on the audio-only platforms, such as iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or Google Play, whatever those things are, head on over to the YouTube channel. And if you haven't subscribed already, hit that subscribe button, like the video, because that helps out quite a bit. Subscribe to the notifications by ringing that little bell and drop a comment. Tell me what you thought about the movie. So I'm going to do my usual setup here. I am going to do a non-spoiler version of my review and get that out of the way for people who don't necessarily want to know what happens in the movie. And then I'll give you a warning and we'll talk some spoilers. So right now we're in the non-spoiler section. You don't have anything to worry about as far as that's concerned. The short end of this is... I loved the movie. I thought that it was a very ambitious take on a character that never really has an origin. So the idea that they were giving an origin to the Joker to begin with is already something that is ambitious on its own. And it's something that usually doesn't strike well with comic book people. And I am not the type of person who's going to be able to tell you certain issues that certain things happened or anything like that. Cause I don't actually read the comics, but I am a big follower of the superhero genre and so many different characters and all the story arcs that go along with them and everything like that. So I'm that type of middle ground. I'm not the, uh, the guy in the comic book store that can tell you everything about blue devil, but I can tell you about birthday boy in the Batman series, which most people have no idea what I'm talking about. So normally that would be the type of thing that would bother me, especially for a character like Joker, because let me lay this on the table for anybody who doesn't know. Batman is my favorite fictional character in any type of media, any story, any genre, anything. Batman, the Bruce Wayne character, is my absolute favorite fictional character I've ever seen in anything. And likewise, the counterpart to that, the Joker, is my favorite villain in anything that I've ever come across. So when there's a Batman movie, I tend to weigh it pretty heavily. And when there's the Joker involved, all that much more so. And for anybody who's wondering, Mark Hamill is my favorite Joker, my favorite Batman, Kevin Conroy. Not necessarily from that series, but the idea in general, you know, the Arkham games and so many different things that they've been great at. But um, that's a different story for another day. So when you tell me that there's going to be a movie that, and this isn't really spoilers, so I'm not going to do the spoiler warning, but I guess it's like that slightest bit if you don't want to know literally anything about the movie. Then I don't know why you're listening to a movie review, but whatever. Uh, you tell me the idea that you're going to do a Joker origin, and it's essentially not going to include Batman because he's only going to be eight years old or so. It's going to be set in the 80s, which a lot of movies that have the whole we're doing it in a time frame type of thing and we're going to make it a period piece tends to be kind of obnoxious to me, especially when it comes to like the X-Men movies where it was like, why did it need to be jumping 10 years each time when you clearly are not aging the characters and so on. And you're going to have 
the character be Arthur Fleck, and he's going to be an older character, and like so many different elements to this that would have been red flags for me to just be like, this is not going to work. And it's amazing. This, so far, is the first movie that I've seen this year that I can think of, at least off the top of my head, that I would actually want to be nominated for Best Picture. And if it were to win, I would think that that would be amazing. A good movie to compare this to that I have seen years and years and years ago is Taxi Driver. And if you've seen Taxi Driver and you like Taxi Driver, I'm assuming that you're going to like this because they're very similar movies in a lot of different ways. And there's some other ones too that are in the similar kind of spectrum. Falling Down with Michael Douglas is another one of them. And, you know, you kind of know what you're getting into when it comes to something like that. You, you are not going to look at the movie trailer for this and think that you're getting something on par with the MCU. You know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has a completely different type of approach to the what this movie is trying to do. This is kind of like an Elseworlds story. If you follow the DC What If, essentially, is what they kind of do with that. Elseworlds is where you can tell different things that aren't in continuity, and it's just like a different type of story, like Superman Red Sun, the story where Superman was not adapted by the Kent family, that he actually landed in Russia and became kind of a tool for the Russian government and everything like that. Or, you know, in this story, Batman's a vampire. And in this story, the Green Lantern is actually a Yellow Lantern or, you know, whatever different things that people want to tell in those kind of stories. So this is kind of like that a little bit. And it's also rated R. It's uh, DC Black. So that's their, the Black Label thing is their hardcore, grittier, darker, rated R type of side of things. So it's already making a lot of rounds as far as being like, we're taking risks and the politics behind this as well. This is a movie that I had heard. I stayed away from critics that had been able to see this movie ahead of time. I didn't want to know what their thoughts were, but the phrase that I had been hearing quite a bit was it is a challenging movie. And now I know what they're getting at, which is some of the ideas presented in this challenges your concept of right and wrong and whether or not there is something to be said about not necessarily vigilantism because that's not quite the case but about backlash and stress and the pressure of society and there's a lot of things that are deeper in this movie than at face value and I think that it's something that a lot of people are going to study for a long time and a lot of people are going to dislike as well because a lot of people are going to like it and they're going to have a very reactionary response to that where they're going to say, like, this movie's crap and all it does is repeat things that other movies have said better and different things like that. But I think that this boils down some really worthwhile discussions into something that is easy to digest and it's something that can cross over to an audience that might not necessarily quite understand that they're talking about them. And yeah, there's a little bit of danger to that because the Joker is the type of character who's cool and he shouldn't be. And he's funny, but you shouldn't be laughing. And he's something that a lot of people look up to, but you never should aspire to be that type of character. For instance, this drives me crazy. I'm going to go on a little rant here, but you ever see those couples on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or whatever, and they have a picture of Joker and Harley Quinn and they tag their boyfriend or their girlfriend and they're like, oh, this is like me and my bae or whatever, which already I'm not, it's annoying just for you saying that. But people, 
idolize this Joker and Harley Quinn relationship as if it's something to aspire to have. And it is a terrible, terrible quote-unquote romance. If you pay any attention to the comics and you pay any attention to literally anything out there about those two characters, the Joker is a terrible partner. And she has a horribly abusive relationship with him. And that is the type of thing that you should be locked up for thinking that that's what you want. It's not that there are two edgy goth people and that you're, you know, something to be like, oh, these people are cool and they're edgy and they're out on the fringe and I want to be like that. No, these people are psychotic. They are crazy, sadistic, mental, fucked up, horrible people. Harley, not as much as Joker, because Joker's like the epitome of evil. And I love that phrase. I forget who says it. And obviously, I don't know the issue and all the other kind of things like that. But in one comic where somebody says, when all the other villains want to scare each other, they tell Joker stories. That is the Joker. He is just pure evil that you can't necessarily understand, but you totally get it. And that's what this movie is. It is a very dark look at a lot of things that aren't on the comic book spectrum but put through the comic book sieve. So I loved it, and I will discuss more details of what I did like about it and what I didn't like, because there's not everything's perfect about the movie when I get into the spoiler section. So if you wanted to know the non-spoiler side of this, that is my thoughts. I think it is amazing. But we got to get into spoilers. So from now on, if you have not seen the movie and you don't want to know what happens, bookmark this and go watch it and then come back and listen to my review, unless you don't necessarily care about spoilers, in which case, by all means, continue listening. But at the very least, I'm warning you, I will talk about what happens in the movie. And let's break things down into kind of the way that I've been doing the making the grade things on Fanboys Anonymous, which is sections of storytelling aspects and sections of technical aspects and then some extra credit kind of things. So I'm not really doing the grade here. I'm doing a review point, but I'm going to kind of use the same structure a little bit. Under the visuals, let's get that out of the way. That's a pretty simple thing. Special effects, the makeup, the costumes, the sets, and all that other kind of stuff. Again, this is set in the 80s, so this has a different feel to it. And everything's got a little bit of a dirtier, grungy kind of feel without trying too hard at being like that. It actually strikes me as just being flat out New York. Now, if you know Gotham City in the comics, you know it's essentially New York, but that it actually isn't New York, because why would it be New York if it was Gotham, you know? And Gotham and New York are really parallels in a lot of different ways, but sometimes Gotham is supposed to be Chicago, sometimes it's uh, Mystic Island, New Jersey, or Atlantic City, New Jersey, or some different things. Sometimes Bloodhaven is Atlantic City. There's a lot of different varieties to that, but usually it's basically an Airsats version of New York and Metropolis is sort of the same. Sometimes it's New York. Sometimes it's Washington, D.C. around that. And other people have said ideas like Gotham is New York at night and Metropolis is New York in the Manhattan region in the daytime and whatever like that. Metropolis, by the way, very quick aside, Metropolis never really looks like New York to me. Just putting it out there. It just seems like it's a little too futuristic and everything. So I don't know. Gotham, though you do get a little bit of a feel of like a New York kind of vibe, a little bit of a Chicago vibe and that kind of stuff. So they shot this in New York. It feels like New York. I've spent more time in New York 
over the past few years than I had ever done in my entire life. So I'm nowhere near somebody who would be like, I can tell you the greatest spot for this and all that other kind of stuff. But I am getting a little bit more familiar with it. And there are parts in this movie where I was like, oh, okay, you know what? I can get that kind of feel from this. And sometimes I even sort of recognize something a little bit, or I thought that I recognized something at the very least. And they play into that because like the subways feel like that. And I can only imagine how they would have felt in the eighties when for a portion of that, I wasn't even alive. So that is good. I liked the visuals when it came to that, the costumes, they all kind of fit the time. They all fit what the characters are looking to go for. in there's particular moments. I don't like his Joker costume, like the colors that they chose and the face paint that they had used because it doesn't look like the Joker to me a hundred percent and that throws me off. So that is a little bit of a miss. I really wish that there was one part in the movie at the end where really he would have gone full on the Joker that I'm more used to. But then again, this is a different version of the Joker. So, hey, that's what they were going for. Can't really call it a complete miss, but I can't call it a hit either because for instance, if somebody were to say, well, let's go with this in the future and let's have this Joker be in the comics, I wouldn't like that. Makeup-wise, that kind of goes along with this. Uh, I like, you know, for instance, the part where he's putting on the makeup and he puts it on his tongue. That was kind of funny. The visual effects, there aren't really a visual effects because it's not like, you know, some action movie where there's like a sky beam and, you know, all the other kind of things that go along with the other modern superhero films. This is a dark, gritty, rated R type of movie. If this were not called Joker and it was just called, like, The Clown, there were, really wouldn't be anything that would be DC-related about it. You replace Thomas Wayne with any other name in the world, it's a regular movie. So there's no CGI that needs to get taken into consideration about the visuals or anything like that. So overall, visuals, definitely a hit. Audio side of things... I liked the music choice that they were using for the score. I thought that that was driving up a lot of tension, so I liked that quite a bit. I might actually end up getting that soundtrack if they put that out at some point, because I want to listen to that on its own and see how that kind of feels. Sound design, no problems with that. I'm not a big person who can really pinpoint a lot of issues with sound design. I'm not like somebody who works on that field in any capacity. Here I am recording a podcast, but I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> so the audio side of things, from what I could tell, definitely a hit. The acting I'll get into a little bit more when it comes to the characters and everything like that, but I want to talk about the tone. The overall tone of this whole thing was tension and stress, and not in the sense of like a tension thriller type of movie, which I'm not a big fan of overall. I know a lot of people really like that, and I think that a lot of people that like that like the horror aspect of it, and their thing that they get out of those movies is more along the lines of they want to feel that rush and that fear, and then they feel better afterward, like they need to scare themselves in a safe environment and whatever. I don't do that. I watch movies to be entertained and not to feel stressed. I, I I'll pretty much watch them to not be stressed, and I've had a hell of a week. If anybody follows the pro wrestling side of things on smartcoutmoment.com, you know that wrestling is just absolutely crazy right now it is the busiest week and i i can remember and we've had so many of these this year but i needed to de-stress and i've been very on edge these past well let's be honest i've been very on edge the past couple of years but uh, these past couple of months in the past couple of weeks in the past couple of days 
it's all been like magnifying even more. And I've been very like kind of getting to the edge of being like snappy with people and stuff like that. Cause it's just like, my God, I'm so stressed and I need to, ah, uh, like the little stupid things are getting on your nerves a little bit more because it's the straw that broke the camel's back and different things like that. So the tone of this was very reminiscent of that. And oddly enough, that didn't get me stressed out even more. Instead, it felt like a little bit more of a release. It was like something that I don't want to necessarily admit that I kind of understood or connected with the character on, but there were a couple parts in the movie where he was saying something like about how, why is everybody so freaking mean all the time and everything? And it was like, you know what? Yeah, I get it. I totally understand people are assholes and it drives you crazy. And sometimes you just want to like, I don't know, like you, you want to strangle them sort of and be like, my God, be a nicer person, asshole. You know, when you come into the situation and somebody doesn't hold a door open for you and they kind of like make it their point to like rush in. So the door slams on you and you have to open it up because they didn't want to hold the door or something like that. Or when somebody cuts you off in public, in public, <laughs> in traffic, or, you know, any of these little scenarios that on a regular day when you're not feeling stressed out, you just kind of go, oh, that person's a jerk and you just move on. But the more and more that that stuff builds up, the more that you start getting to where you're just like, my God, is everybody on this planet just a complete greedy jerk? And it weighs on you. And watching a movie that was, and especially at this time, like 2019 is not a time for people to play around with the whole concept of mental health. A lot of people are getting upset over every little thing. And you can call that whatever you want to call it. If you're the type that wants to call it a snowflake agenda, or if you're the type that wants to call it being sensitive and, you know, there's a million different discussions about politics and social issues and different things that we can get into on the all talk show. If we ever bring that back, if you want it back, head up to Patreon, but uh, <laughs> a quick plug for the Patreon for that. Um, there's so many different discussions that we can have about the way that these kind of things are handled or not handled in that regard. And for a movie in 2019 to take on the concept of let's address how some of these people feel and not glorify it because he's very clearly a bad guy in this movie. He is 100% a villain. There is no justification for the fact that he does what he does, but you still kind of understand where he's coming from. And that's very bold to do that because this movie could have very, very, very easily been written off as propaganda for the the incel uh, crowd or whatever you want to call that, you know, or glorifying these mass shooter types and all these awful things that happen on a daily basis, which just makes you again think, is the world going to shit? Why are these awful people out there? And why is it more and more all the time? And why can't we all just hold hands and just be fucking nice to each other and everything? And this movie takes a bold stance on that where it's, you kind of get it a little bit. So that's, very frightening, very challenging, very scary to kind of go down that road. And I appreciate that they did that, uh, that they did that because I think that sometimes you need movies to process things a little differently. And this sounds kind of like soapboxy, but maybe somebody watching this movie 
is going to have the opposite reaction to what the media is saying. Because a lot of people in there are saying, like, this is going to cause riots. And people are going to take inspiration from this and whatever. If you're off, you're going to find problems with anything. You're going to think that your dog is talking to you or, you know, you saw somebody's face in a taco and it told you to kill somebody or, you know, whatever like that. People are like that. So... I don't, you need to have different programs and you need to have different counseling and, you know, all the, again, all this other kind of discussion and stuff, but maybe somebody watching this movie is actually going to have the opposite reaction and they're going to go, wow, you know what? Yeah. I think I need help if I'm feeling that bad and that can be a really good thing. You know, you never know how these movies are going to affect people and movies can be a really great tool for a lot of different things and you can bring people together and you can do a lot with movies that you really couldn't do with a lot of other things. Music too, for that matter, music is another great tool to, to speak to people in a different way. But the tone of this, this very dark and grim and bleak type of tone and angry, lots of anger in this movie feels like a release at some moments. Sometimes it's very funny and sometimes you're laughing at things that you shouldn't be laughing at. Like, again, spoilers, when he has killed two of his former co-workers, uh, one of them being Randall and one of them being Gary. And there's the part with Gary, who is diminutive in his height. He can't reach the door hinge to be able to unlock the door to get out after he sees that Randall's been killed and all that other kind of stuff. That was a funny funny moment now it's making fun of people that have a problem that is horrible to make fun of because it's a you know terrible thing to go through every single day and you know but it's still like it's a funny moment and lots of times in this movie there was something that would happen where people in the audience were cracking up and then you could kind of sense a little bit of hesitation like oh, i shouldn't have laughed at that and that's kind of fun to watch a movie that people are being challenged like that so i like that a lot romance i mean this movie isn't a romance movie but it does have a little bit here and there and it's got the right type of romance as far as it doesn't go into the like we're gonna set up the boy and the girl and they're gonna get together in the end and they're gonna have their argument in the rain and all that other kind of stuff because that's not what this type of movie is but it does have those moments and it it is all filtered the way that it should be so that's a big hit tone the atmosphere all that stuff it all works super super well story itself the idea of the joker being a regular guy who happens to have grown up with a mom with problems who didn't exactly give him the best childhood because of a bunch of different reasons whether it was abusive boyfriends that she had kept around or delusions of grandeur like the idea that she is always calling him happy and always telling him to put on a big smile on his face and that he's there to put laughter in the world and he kind of built this idea to him that he's this funny charming type of person outside of the fact that she also later on at one point in the movie says don't you have to be funny to be a comedian which is like that's i guess the moment of realism of being like you know this guy's not actually like that and all but she instilled that in him and that weighs on you you know when you are told that you are special and you are not able to do it that's the type of thing that can really get under people's skins and that's why you get a lot of people that unfortunately commit suicide because they are the smart person in their family and everybody looks at them as being the one that has to have all the answers and they don't have the answers and the pressure is just too much for them or they're 
the quote unquote, the person who has everything, why would they give that up? It's because they have the stress of keeping that and maintaining that. And if you're somebody like an Arthur Fleck in this movie, you are failing all the time. For that to be part of what builds the Joker and all that stress and all that failure and coupled up with this idea that he has, I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head. I'm going to try to look that up a little bit, but this idea of if you mix that together with other actual clinical problems, the pseudo Bulber effect, that's what it is, where he laughs at situations that don't necessarily reflect what he's actually thinking. And he's laughing when he's anxious or he's laughing when he's scared or whatever like that. You start to understand, you know what, that could be a real fun trip to go down with the Joker as far as explaining why he is laughing all the time. Maybe it's not just because he's like, quote unquote, crazy and insane and all that. Maybe it's that he has that. And I liked that. I liked that a lot. This idea that they could go down that rabbit hole and they could play around with that. So big fan of that, big fan of the idea that, and I kind of guessed this a little bit correctly. Mostly, I guess I got things right with my predicting the plot, which is a new thing that I do on fanboys for any movies that particularly strike my fancy as far as trying to plot things out, where I had thought that throughout the movie that he would think that Thomas Wayne was his father and he'd find out that that wasn't the case. That was interesting. This cannot work in the comics because then you have that age gap that just doesn't make any sense. Thomas Wayne should be in his late 30s to mid 40s when he gets killed with Martha. And that way, you know, Bruce is not growing up, you know, he's eight years old, nine years old, and you got to age him up another 20 years or at least another 15 years for him to become Batman and do all that kind of stuff. Well, you're going to tack another 15, 20 years on top of Arthur Fleck. It doesn't really make any sense. You know, you can't have a 35 year old Batman fighting a 70 something year old Joker. It's just, it, it doesn't make any sense that way. That's one of the reasons I didn't like Gotham, but okay. Yeah. It's another story for another time again. And, um, I liked the way that they did that again. It's an Elseworlds type thing. So you take it in a different direction and this isn't the story of Batman. But at the same time, they got some Batman stuff in there. They had the idea that some random person with a gun killed Thomas and Martha and that he ripped the beads off of not the beads, the pearls off of Martha's neck and all that. That's very much, you know, here's our Joe Chill moment. And that's really cool. So I really liked the story behind that. I really liked the descent into madness and the idea that he had this idea that he was going to be the Santa comedian and he just could not do it for reasons that were partially his own problems and partially not, you know, if he has access to better health care and better medicine, then maybe he can get all those ticks under control and maybe he can better navigate society. And then he wouldn't have had those issues. And then that discusses the whole thing of the politics with the government. And, you know, there's so much to break down about this movie. And I, I really feel like it's the type of movie that a lot of people need to see. Let's go with characters individually, you know, one character from another and all that other kind of stuff. Obviously I mostly talked about Joaquin Phoenix and Arthur Fleck and all that. I think he is great. And a lot of people are going to start comparing him. Well, who's the better Joker? Is he the better Joker or Jack Nicholson or Heath Ledger? Or nobody's really going to mention Jared Leto, even though I like some of what Jared Leto did. If you, 
you get rid of the the way that he looked, Jared Leto wasn't bad. And uh, <laughs> I'm probably getting some hate in the comments section for that one. But and Suicide Squad was awful. Uh, Arthur Fleck. I like that that's not even necessarily his name. Like they kind of took the whole where did he come from? Who was he adopted from? He was just abandoned and all that other kind of things. Really big fan of that major hit. Murray Franklin played by Robert De Niro. I have not seen The King of Comedy, so I can't compare this movie to that and see any kind of parallels to that. I will probably try to watch that at some point whenever I get the time. But I do know that that is a story of a comedian being obsessed with Jerry Lewis's character, who is like a talk show host, and that's just kind of like full circle and everything like that. I find that that's pretty interesting. And Robert De Niro, he comes off really well as this Murray Franklin character. He seemed very much like a Jay Leno type. So I like that a lot. I think Robert De Niro was solid on that. Very much a hit. Sophie Dumont was played by Zazie Beetz. She is just the neighbor who Arthur has a little bit of a crush on, thinks that he's dating and that kind of thing. When that started happening, I'm like, all right, he's imagining this. This is not happening whatsoever. So I like that character. It wasn't really much more than just like, serving the purpose of explaining how even that love life side of him is just a complete failure. But she did the part well, you know, the acting wise, great on that. Everything solid, nothing to complain about. Francis Conroy plays Penny Fleck. Fan of that character, nothing to complain about there. Like the idea that she was sick in the ways that she was, where sometimes he felt a little sad for her. Sometimes that pity turned into anger, the way that she was you know, actually acting this whole time that we weren't aware of at the end. For the movie itself, I like Brett Cullen as Thomas Wayne. This version of this is totally not Thomas Wayne. And I hate that anybody might try to turn that into anything in the future. So again, I have to stress the idea that if this is an Elseworlds type thing and it's not a real quote unquote real telling of the Joker and the Batman story and everything like that. Then for this, it's it's great. Brett Cullen comes off as a Donald Trump type or somebody who's just like that obnoxious kind of politician that maybe isn't necessarily a bad guy in this movie. I mean, some again, eh, I'm going to mince words on here a little bit. Not all politicians are bad people, but all politicians kind of seem like bad people. You know what I mean? Like, I don't trust politicians. I feel like they're professional bullshitters a lot of the time and that they don't have everybody's best interests in mind. And that's something that comes with the territory, I guess, with certain positions that people have and certain types of power and everything like that. And Thomas Wayne Fundamentally, in a regular Batman story, I would like my Thomas Wayne to be a humanitarian. For this particular story, you can't tell that, because then he's too sympathetic, and then you, you kind of don't understand the whole idea. Brett Cullen plays the asshole Thomas Wayne very well. There's other side characters. Uh, Mark Maron's only in one scene. He's good in the scene, but it's, it's, a, it's a nothing kind of thing. We have Detective Burke and Detective Garrity. They're just cops uh randall the one of the other comedians uh, comedians not necessarily but the, or the clowns and gary and uh some of the other ones i don't even remember their names and all that other kind of stuff they uh 
they play their parts fine. Like everybody kind of like, there's nobody that stands out as bad in this movie. None of the acting's bad. The only one that maybe I would say is a little bit off is the kid who plays Bruce Wayne. There's something quite didn't connect with me on that. But everybody else, they do their great job. And he's not bad or anything like that. It's not like it's like, oh my God, this kid's an awful actor. It's just like, well, if there's going to be a weak link, it's probably him. But character-wise, everybody fills in a spot that they need to fill in. They do it very well. And I just really can't say enough positive things. There's so many hits about this movie where it shouldn't necessarily have so many good things about it because it's taking a story that shouldn't have an origin and giving it an origin and setting it at a time that doesn't make any sense and all the other kind of things that go along with that. It's, it's crazy. So I think that this is massively a hit again. I think that this should be nominated for best picture. I think that Joaquin Phoenix should be nominated for best actor. I don't think I'd probably give a best anything else to any of the other parts in the movie. Like I'm not going to be like, Brian Tyree Henry in his one scene is best supporting actor. You know, it's uh, Mark Marin. He wows when he stands in a doorway for 30 seconds now, but um, you know, this isn't the type of movie that normally follows suit with the way that the other superhero movies do Avengers Endgame, You're going to look at that and you're going to go, okay, well that gets nominated for best visual effects and it gets nominated for best sound and best cinematography and all that. This is more of the type of movie that's like, you know what, maybe you give him Best Actor. Or maybe you at least nominate him. And maybe you nominate this for Best Picture. Maybe you even give it to it. I highly doubt that it will win, but it's got my vote so far, at the very least. I like that Astra, and there are elements to that that I liked quite a bit, but this is a better movie than that one, I think. I cannot, off the top of my head, think of a movie that should have as much weight to it as this one. So, big thumbs up. And I would love to talk more about this, but I don't necessarily have the time. And that's where you can step in. If you want more discussion about Joker or more discussion about anything else in particular, if you want a specific special feature, donate to the Patreon. By doing that, whether it's a dollar or $5 or $100, whatever it is, whatever spare change you got that you want to toss my way, it's always a great motivator for me to try to find the time to do more stuff with Fanboys Anonymous, either if it's some kind of podcast or it's some kind of editorial just written on the website or whatever it is. But, you know, maybe you want something in particular that's special, you know, like a fan tracks, an audio commentary track for something, then donate to the pick your poison tier and I'll find the time to do it. Maybe do an actual commentary track for this one when it comes out or have a group of other people on board if we can settle some kind of times to have a big group meeting about things or something. I don't know. There's there's a lot of discussions. Maybe you just want me to talk more Batman and we could just have like a two-hour podcast about Batman and just talk about all things Batman related. Whatever that is, head up to Patreon. Let me know that you are interested in that kind of stuff. If you want to support the channel in another way, you can check out the merchandise shops on TeePublic and Redbubble. They're at Fanboys Anonymous. I also have two other ones for a mango teas and for smart cat moment. If you are interested in those kind of th- sides of uh, the merchandise shops and that of course goes straight to me. So, well, it doesn't go straight to me, all their funds and all their fees and all that other kind of things like that. But the money that I do get out of it goes straight towards me trying to do more stuff with fanboys anonymous and for smart cat moment and everything. So keep that in mind, everybody. And if you can't help on the monetary side of things, it's totally understandable. But if you want to help in another way, share all these things. 
follow on Facebook and Twitter. Tweet it out. Tell everybody what you know. What you know. Tell everybody that you know if you think that they would be interested in checking it out, whether it's the Smart Count Moment Wrestling stuff or the Fanboys Anonymous Geek Culture stuff. Just kind of let everybody know. Hit the like button on the video. Hit the subscribe button. If you leave us a rating or a star ranking or whatever it is on these different audio platforms like iTunes and stuff, that stuff helps out quite a bit too. There's lots of ways to show your support. But definitely leave a comment below. Tell me what you think about Joker. Tell me what you would like to see in the future. And just for the hell of it, answer this question too. If they were to do some more movies about this type of thing, you know, you take like a Riddler movie and you try to dissect that and what would be the catalyst for a Mr. Freeze or, you know, different characters in different sides of this whole comic book spectrum. What would you like to see? What characters would you want to see a big, deep dive into? Let me know in the comment section below. But that'll do me in for this review point of Joker. It is a hit. I highly doubt that there's going to be another movie that comes out this year that I'm going to think is a better overall movie as far as like Oscar stuff goes. Endgame is still probably going to be like my number one, just like, oh my God, this was the most amazing thing in the world kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, I am a huge, huge fan about this and I can't recommend it enough for anybody that would be interested in seeing it. So that's going to do me in for this edition, everybody. Thank you for listening again. I'm Tony Mango and I'm a fanboy. See you next time. It's time for me to geek out.